So the big question is this, you're a free diver or a spear fisherman, and you have a strong desire to improve your free diving abilities. You're just not quite sure how. That is the question. And my podcast, Free Dive Live, is your answer. Join me as I take a deep dive into all things free diving and discover even more about this amazing sport that has given me so much. My name is Ted Hardy. I teach people to free dive deeper, stay longer, and become safer. Free Dive Live, episode number 13. So you want to be a free diving instructor. This podcast is brought to you by freedivingsafety.com, which provides a free online course which will explain the truth about shallow water blackout, how to minimize your risk, how to tell if you're wearing too much weight, and most importantly, how to save someone's life. Like I always say, dive safe out there. It's not even that hard, especially when you can learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. Who wouldn't want to be a freediving instructor, right? Right, get yourself an Instagram account, right? You get beers and bikinis, paychecks in paradise. You get paid to go freediving, right? Sounds awesome. I think a lot of people in the scuba and freediving industry uh, sit in their office and they dream of being a scuba instructor and they dream of being a freediving instructor. And some of them put those plans into motion uh, to do that. And obviously, I love being a scuba instructor, and I love being a freediving instructor, but I think a lot of people don't get (laughs) what that career job actually is. In this episode, I'm going to share with you the things that if you're thinking about being a freediving instructor, which is awesome, we need more freediving instructors, absolutely, just, you know, have a bit better understanding of what that actually entails. The first piece of advice I will give anyone If you want to be a freediving instructor, get good at freediving. And then when you've gotten good, then get better. More training. Get more comfortable in the water. And then when you've gotten better, get more better. One of the things I firmly believe is your freediving capacity. I sometimes call it your freediving chops, right? Your freediving capabilities are going to really determine how good of a freediving instructor you are. And no, I don't mean you need to rush off and go be a 200-foot freediver. And if you're not, you won't be a good freediving instructor. But when you're diving with the students, these dives have to feel easy. You have to not have urges to breathe. You have to have tons of spare capacity in the tank. You don't want these dives to be challenging. One thing to think about is if you're teaching a freediving class, and I'm going to assume you're diving with every student, let's say you got four students, five students, six students, whatever the number is. I teach five students in my class, so I'll just use that number. That means that I do five times as many dives as a student does, because I do every dive all the way to the plate with every student, and I get one-fifth the amount of rest. And that's really not even true, because if you've ever taken a freediving class with me, you'd understand that as soon as I get to the surface, I'm going to be saying, all right, so yeah, that dive looked pretty good, uh, but you uh, definitely had your head looking at the plate the whole time, so don't do that. And then on the way back up, you forgot to drop your hands. I had to remind you, so make sure to drop your hands um, and get that nice good push. All right, so next person, come on up. All right, so remember, uh, on your last dive, you did everything good, but your kick was really wonky. You're bending your knees too much, so make sure a good, strong kick. 
and then I'm breathing up for a little bit and then doing the dive again. In order to be able to do repetitive dives and, and, and not, you know, have all this amazing time to breathe up, you need to be a, a really good free diver. Whatever your agency requires in order to be a free diving instructor, I would say, okay, that's nice. I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to be a better diver than the agency is requiring just because I know it's going to make your job easier and you'll be able to do a better job. Okay, Ted, how do I do that? How do I become a better diver? Well, one thing is uh, dive a lot, <laughs> as much as you can. And the other thing is take more classes. Take the next level program, right? Take as many freediving courses as you can get your hands on. Well, but that's expensive. Okay, you're talking about being a freediving instructor, which is like, you know, can be a career path. You need to invest in what you're doing, not do the bare minimum. Another thing I'm a huge fan of is, so you took a freediving class, you're like, wow, that's awesome. I, you know, I want to be a freediving instructor. And then you, you take the next class or whatever. You now have only dealt with one agency. There's lots of freediving agencies out there. And what agency you choose, really, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, it's like, it's practically like getting married, right? They're going to, they're going to be, you know, controlling how you teach your classes, how you structure them, what things you teach. You know, there's marketing issues to consider. We typically don't marry the first person we go on a date with. So why would you take a freediving class and assume that that agency is the one? So I would highly encourage you to take different classes from different agencies and different instructors, and then you'll have a much better idea to pick which one seems to be the best fit for you. One of the things I'm excited to announce is I'm going to be launching a free diving summit, maybe within a month. And one of the things I'll be interviewing probably 20, 30 different free divers and spearfishermen. One of the things I'm really excited about is I've gotten, uh, I'll be interviewing people from the various free diving agencies, right? So I'll be asking them, uh, they all get the questions in advance and, you know, so it's, it's all, you know, fair and above board. And, and the purpose of it is, so if you're considering taking a freediving class or you're considering becoming a freediving instructor, like how cool is it to be, have one of the representatives of the agency give you their pitch, right? Like why should they pick this agency or another one? What's the, you know, if you're interested in becoming a freediving instructor, why should they choose your agency versus the other one? So we'll give the, all the agencies a chance to basically sell what it is that they do and what makes them different and why you should pick them. So I'm excited to be able to uh, get that together. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll hear more about that as I get closer uh, to finish things up. But I think that'll be a really good tool to help people make those decisions. I would definitely avoid zero to hero programs. And what I mean by that is you've not taken a freediving class. You go into some program, you learn to freedive. And then right after that, you learn to be a freediving instructor all in the same thing. Don't think that sets you up for success. I think you need to learn to freedive. And then once you've done that, now you need to get really good at freediving. Not like, okay, I've learned to freedive and now I'm going to start teaching freediving. So you want to be a freediving instructor? You better practice what you preach. There's no freediving instructor out there that says, well, it's okay to dive by yourself if I'm just doing short dives. I'm only in the shallows. If you're a freediving instructor and people are paying you to learn how to dive and you're saying things like we have to dive in teams when you hit the surface, your buddy has to be close enough to grab you so that there's a problem they can take care of you. 
And then you go out and you don't do that. You're going out spear fishing by yourself or, you know, you jump off the boat and one buddy goes that way, one buddy goes the other way. You can't do that and teach free diving. And I mean, you can do whatever you want, I guess, but like your credibility is going to be ruined if you do that. I have heard of people that do that and that just makes makes no sense to me. I mean, if you're a freediving instructor, you've got to walk the walk and talk the talk. If you want people to pay attention to being safe and they find out that you don't do those things, why would they listen? They're not gonna. They're just gonna be like, ah, oh, you're not really, he just has to say that, but like, you know, we're just gonna still do what we always do. And then you're not gonna be doing your job, which is to teach people to dive safely. And in my opinion, that's the number one job of freediving class. The way I look at it is, I know people don't care about freediving safety, so I don't market my classes as like, you're going to learn to be safe, you're going to learn to be safe. I market my classes as you're going to learn to dive deeper and stay longer. And that's the, that's the carrot, right? That's the carrot that makes them come to the class. And then once I got them in the classroom and they can't leave, I whack them with the safety stick over and over and over again, right? And convince them how and why to dive safely. If you're sitting here dreaming about being a freediving instructor, you have lots of dreams of what that is like. It's very likely that those dreams are not what actually happens in a freediving class. So certainly a really smart thing to do is sit in on your freediving instructor's class. Ask, hey, can I come sit in the pool, sit in the ocean in the classroom session? Now, if you are saying, but Ted, I haven't even taken a freediving class. So how can I sit in on my instructor's program? If you haven't taken a freediving class and you're dreaming about being a freediving instructor, you are wasting your time. It's ridiculous to be considering, I want to be a freediving instructor and you don't even freedive. You don't even know if you like freediving. You don't even know any ability. I, I, I get those questions from people. And I just, I, I'm like, what? And we were the same thing in scuba. People would, you know, oh, I'm going to be a scuba instructor, right? And they're like sitting in their office and I'm like, you know, okay, that's cool. What's in, you know, never, no, I never scuba dove. I just know I want to be an instructor. I just know. How, how do you know? You don't know anything about scuba. All right. So I'm going to assume if you're in this, like, I'm thinking about being a freediving instructor, uh, that you have taken a freediving class at a minimum and have decided that you like freediving. So reach out to that instructor that you had and ask, can you sit in on the classroom? Can you sit in on the pool? Can you sit in on the ocean and see what teaching a freediving class is actually like in the real world, not the way that you imagine it, because it could be quite different. One of the things you've got to figure out is, do you like free diving? Like, you know, a lot of people love free diving and they love scuba diving. So they're like, oh, so teaching is like the natural next thing. I mean, honestly, that's how I got in it. I was a scuba uh, scuba diver and I would go down to the, the, the Keys and visit my dad in Marathon. And there was this dive shop there. I dived at Key and I would dive with them all the time. And I became a, a good diver because I dove a lot. And the dive shop, uh, Wendy, I remember she came up to me one day. She's like, you know, Ted you're, you're turning into a really good diver. We would, we would love to hire you, right? If you would just, you know, go across the street, go through the instructor program, like we'd give you a job, like absolutely immediately. And I remember thinking, what? I get, I get paid to do this. And then it was the, the hook, right? You know, beers and bikinis, paychecks in paradise. I mean, that was it. You know, I went to the place and signed up and went to the instructor program. And literally the day I graduated, I went back to that place and I started working there. I got lucky because I didn't thoroughly think through that process. I knew I was obsessed with scuba diving. So therefore being a scuba instructor must be awesome. You get paid to do what you'd like to do. But I got lucky because I didn't know this, but I really like teaching. And if you're like excited about becoming a freediving instructor, you need to understand 
just because you like freediving, teaching freediving is not you get to go freediving. Teaching freediving is you being an instructor. Do you like to teach? Now, everything you're doing in the water is not dictated toward what you want to do. It's what the students need. There are plenty of people that are amazing freedivers that are terrible instructors. There are some instructors that don't even like the, the teaching side of it, right? So you need to figure that out. And that's why I believe that sitting in on a class and seeing what is required uh, and what goes on, that will give you a good idea before you jump on this. I want to be a freediving instructor bandwagon uh, without actually knowing what it is you're signing up for. All right. So let's talk a little bit like, what is it like to actually teach a freediving class? Well, you know, part of it's going to be classroom session. I mean, the way I do it, my entry level course, and granted it's longer than most, but I'm going to be up there for seven hours. I'm going to be sitting at the front of the room, going through all the material and explaining all this stuff. If you want to be a freediving instructor and you're terrified of public speaking, that's a problem. That's what being a freediving instructor is. That's what being a scuba instructor is, right? You've got to be comfortable in a public speaking role. If you are not comfortable in a public speaking role, I really wouldn't recommend going through a freediving class, right? It's, you know, the freediving class can help teach you that, but that I think the time compression, it's its too hard to do that. So my suggestions are, I haven't done it, but I've heard great things about it. Toastmaster is a program that, that that's all over the, you know, all over the place and it can help you do that. Or if you really are concerned about it, you can take a, a take a public speaking class at a college. That That is the one piece of advice. Whenever I have people that are, you know, the younger guys going through the pro, younger kids going through the program and, you know, if they're in college or about to go to college, I'm always like, take public speaking. The odds of you making a career out of what your major in is I've seen, I don't remember the number, but the statistics is very low percentage that you'll actually end up doing what you, you know, majored in. I mean, look at me, I'm a computer science specializing in RFL intelligence and I'm a freediving instructor. But that's why I say like, no matter what you do career wise, being good at public speaking will be a huge, huge asset no matter what you do. And I firmly believe that. And so I'd always tell the people going through college, like take that public speaking class. I took it because my brother beat that into me. It was great. I was, I was terrified of it. I was terrified of public speaking. And that, that course certainly helped me. Next thing you're going to be doing is pool work. You're going to be taking people to the pool. You're going to be running them through static apnea sessions. So you're going to be coaching them to do these breath holds, how it works. Uh, and then you're going to be teaching all these individual skills like the entry and kicking. You don't need to be a freediving instructor, right? So if you're not a freediving instructor and you watch one of my entry level students and we'll say it was just, a, it was terrible, right? And they try to do an entry and their fins are flopping around all over the place. They're splashing everywhere. He's not like, you don't need to be a freediving instructor to know that sucks. But as an instructor, you can't say, yeah, that was terrible. You need to be able to look at what they did and say, yeah, that didn't work so well, did it? No, exactly. So let me tell you why that didn't work. The reason that didn't work was because you kept pulling with your arms. Did you notice that you just, it never, he's like, yeah, I just pull, pull, pull. Yeah, because you never put your foot up. You need your foot up to drive that weight down. Then when you do the arm pull. So one of the things an instructor needs to be able to do is look at something and then be able to explain to the student why what they're doing is not working. Just saying that you're not kicking right doesn't, well, your kick's terrible. Well, how do I fix it? Well, you just do it like I'm doing it. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not teaching, right? So you got to be able to problem solve, like look at the issue, identify specifically what's the problem, and then explain it to the student in a way that they can understand so they can implement the change that you're talking about. And then obviously you're going to be taking them out to the ocean. So you've got to be, you know, comfortable, Like right? You're going to be out there 
all by yourself. That was the thing I remember when I first started teaching courses on my own. I had taught for a year, but it was always with Kirk. So it's always had that like, hey, Kirk, what should I do here? Right. If I if something happened that I always feel like I could go ask Kirk. And then when I started running classes, with immersion freediving, like it's me in the ocean and five students. There was no, hey, what happens if this happens? Like, it's just me. That, in my mind, requires a pretty high degree of confidence and competence to be able to do that because things can go wrong out there. And it's just you. And the boat captain, at least it was in my case. Another thing you're going to need as an instructor is good ears. When I say good ears, I mean, if you're regularly getting blocked where you can't dive because you have some sort of ear sinus problem, what are you going to do when the students fly in from out of state <clears throat> and they book a hotel vacation time? You're like, yeah, I can't clear my ears today. Sorry. I remember with PFI, we would have instructors that were great instructors, but they just had too regularly, they would be unable to dive and that cause massive problems uh, for these classes. And so eventually it would just get to be Kirk was like, all right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fly this person in. And not because they're not a good instructor. There's just too high a chance of them being unable to dive. So you want to have good ear issues um, because I mean, you canceling a class. I mean, how would you feel if you like, you know, signed up for a free diving class and then the instructor canceled the ocean sessions because they couldn't clear their ears. Like you'd be like, hmm, that sucks. If you want to be an instructor, and you want to be good at it. You want to be better than the average one. You have to be patient. You have to be patient uh, when you're teaching. Now, this is a, a lot going on in there. And I don't, this episode's already getting long, but I will tell you, if you Google immersion freediving, patience is a virtue, you will read up a blog that I talked about it, but you've got to be patient. Let me give you an example. I'm teaching how to uh, handle a loss of motor control. There's three main steps. When the person has a loss of motor control, I teach the students to put one hand under the armpit. That's going to provide the upward force, keep their airway out of the water. Second hand is going to go underneath the chin, but above the water without touching them. The reason that hand is there, if they were to black out, their head would fall into their hand, which is already there. And then you encourage them to breathe. So here's what happens all the time. All right, so let's see it. All right. So yeah, it looks pretty good, right? You know, you, you saw the problem immediately and you know, you grabbed them under the arm, you told them to breathe, but when you grabbed them, uh, your, your hand, instead of where it was supposed to be, you grabbed them by the chin. So you're actually pulling their head up by their chin, which actually makes it hard for them to breathe. It's, it's pretty good. Just do it again. Just don't grab the chin. Okay. So that looked pretty good. Again, everything looked really good. You just grabbed them by the chin again, right? So remember if I pick someone up by the chin, like you were doing, you make it so that they can't breathe. We want to make it easier for them to breathe, not harder. Right? So let's do it again. Okay, I'm seeing a pattern here, right? Everything was the same, but you still grabbed him by the chin. So let me do this. Let me do this. Let me, come over here. Let me grab you that way. And I'm going to pick you. <laughs> See, it's hard to breathe right now. It's uncomfortable. So that's what you're doing. So we want to make sure we don't do it that way. In fact, now let's, you're going to rescue me, but let's do it in slow motion. And I'm going to slap that hand if you grab my chin, right? So put the hand on the arm. Perfect. Now put the, don't touch the chin. Yep. Perfect. See, you didn't touch the chin. You told me to breathe. That's it. So let's do it like that this time. If you think that's not going to happen, you're crazy. You're going to tell people to do things over and over and over, and they're not going to do them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to be able to. They're going to forget whatever it is. And you can't, well, you can do whatever you want, but if you're getting frustrated with them, they're going to know it. So what a lot of instructors do is the uh, teach by volume adjustment. The solution must be volume. If I just say it louder, <laughs> they're going to do better. If you're not patient, the students know it and they're going to learn that if you mess up, the instructor is going to get mad at me or going to yell at me or raise their voice at me. And that's not what they signed up for. They signed up for to learn how to do something. 
If you want to be excellent at your job and you're losing your temper, or you don't have patience, I mean, they're going to shut off. They're not going to be engaged. And it's just, they didn't sign up for that. They didn't sign up to get uh, yelled at. They didn't get signed up to be treated like a first grader. You got to be patient. And if you know that you are impatient, you're not going to be a good freediving instructor, in my opinion. I would not say, I want to be a freediving instructor and have the motivation be, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I would strongly encourage you, if you have a way to pay your bills and put food on the table and be financially secure, do not quit the thing that does that to become a freediving instructor. There are not a lot of full-time freediving instructors out there. It's, it's a lot of work. And let's put it this way. I mean, let's honestly, you're not going to be good enough to, to do this full-time when you start. You, when you start, you're not going to be great at it. I mean, if I look at the freediving course that I taught when I started versus, you know, 12 years ago, what I do now, there's no, there's no comparison between the two. Now, I was lucky I had a lot of solid teaching experience. And you know, a lot of people don't have that. I'm just telling you, I think it's crazy when I hear people say, oh yeah, I'm going to quit my job and be a freediving instructor. I'm like, that's, that's not, a, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I suggest if you want to become a freediving instructor, that's awesome. We need more freediving instructors. Absolutely we do. Is keep your, you know, your job. And do it on the do it on the side, right? You know, just maybe one class a month, and do that for a while, and 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 you're gonna find out, right? Like, hey, this is awesome. I want to make a go at it, or like, hey, you know, I like it, but you know, financially it doesn't make sense, and so I'm just gonna keep doing it a little bit. I mean, you just don't jump into it, and and I, I think this is a good way to look at it. You are not gonna be good enough when you start. I'm sorry, you're not to to to, to do it full time to base your financial stability on the fact that I'm a brand new instructor and I really don't know what I'm doing because when you start, you've got so much to learn. So this reminds me of uh, a story uh, about Kathy, my girlfriend. She's, you know, worked in corporate America. She was, uh, she's the HR, uh, I mean, she's the HR director of 100 Pet Meds. And before that, she was a vice president of Iris Direct. And before that, she had had several HR jobs in Texas and she became really interested in scuba diving, right? So she loved scuba diving. And then she took some time off work and went to Australia and took all these courses and was diving, 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 diving. And then she went to Mexico, went to the instructor program. And she decided, hey, I'm going to get out of Texas. I'm going to head to Fort Lauderdale. So she moved to Fort Lauderdale, right? No furniture, sitting in an apartment, no job. Uh, and she's sitting on her, her first night, she's sitting on the balcony in, in this in this hotel. And there's a pool out there. And in the pool, there's a scuba instructor taking scuba class. And she's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, you know, I'm a scuba instructor too. That's so cool to see what's like, what's happening. So she like runs down there and, you know, the guy's like putting up the tanks at the end of the class. And, you know, she's like all bushy tailed excited. So, like, oh, so, you know, is it just so awesome teaching scuba? And he's like, you know, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, well, you know, what's it, what's it like? Like I just finished my scuba instructor program and like, you know, was all excited for info and the lowdown and everything. And he just looks at her and goes, can you make $30,000 a year doing something else? She's like, uh, yeah. And he goes, then don't teach scuba. And she's like, oh, that was never really made clear to me. And so that was the end of Kathy's scuba career uh, as a professional instructor. It stopped before it even got started. And then she went and went on to work at Divers Direct, not as a scuba instructor, but in the HR, HR field. I think one of the more important skills that a freediving instructor needs to be successful from a business standpoint is the ability to do photo and video. For me, that was a huge game changer when I understood how to take good photos, how to edit and create good videos. But that is a skill. 
and it's it's a it's a difficult skill to acquire. So if you're considering becoming a freediving instructor, my suggestion is before you become a freediving instructor, learn all that. Learn all that when you have the time and you're not so stressed about all the other stuff you're doing with teaching is, is that'll be a fun way to become a better freediver, right? Learn photo, learn video. The way I learned it was Final Cut is what I use. And there's a very comprehensive program by Larry Jordan. That's how I learned how to edit. And then the photo, I use Lightroom. Man, I can't tell you how awesome Lightroom is. Lightroom takes your terrible photos because you don't know what you're doing and it makes them look awesome. I believe the Lightroom training I used was Laura Shu. And look, I know there's tons of free YouTube videos and maybe they're more thorough than they were back then. But what I liked about both of these is these were comprehensive systems, right? It's like, all right, you're an idiot. You don't know anything. Here's everything you need to know. So for me, paying the money and then going through a long, thorough course, that's just the way I like to do things as opposed to, you know, how do I do this? And then find a thing on YouTube. And how do I do this? And find a thing on YouTube. You certainly do it that way. But for me, considering that was my business, I wanted to have a better understanding. And so I went through like the A to Z online course. I will include links to the two uh, online programs that I use personally to learn Lightroom and Final Cut. And as always, you can see that at freedivelive.com slash resources. As I said earlier, if you want to be a good freediving instructor, you got to be a good diver. And the one of the best ways to do that is dive a lot. You need to spend a lot of time in the water as much as you can to get better and become a better diver. Like I said, if you want to be an instructor, get good at diving, then get better at diving, get more better at diving. Many of you uh, aren't going to have access to the water at the level that you need or want. And that's why, uh, and many freediving instructors are that way. Many freediving competitors are that way, right? I mean, a lot of freediving competitors, you know, there's not a lot of money in the sport. So they have to, most of them have to have like regular jobs and those regular jobs, they don't live right by the ocean. So they, you know, they have to travel and take time off work and, and, you know, get their time in the ocean when they can. Uh, and that's why, you know, a lot of them do dry training, right? You can do dry training and pool training that you can do, have a lot easier access to. If you want to get on a structured training plan, I have a 28-day freediving transformation program. It's a month-long program where you're going to get weekly workouts. You're going to learn the five most effective dry land training exercises that I know of and I recommend. You're also going to get access to a private Facebook group so you can ask me questions if you're having you know questions or concerns about the training and, and you can reach out to me and I can help you that way. This is an amazing program to get you ready for an instructor program. When I used to teach the instructor programs, I would have about a 50% fail rate. Why would people be unable to complete? Well, sometimes you get people that are rock star divers. They're like awesome divers. They just, they're not really good at communicating that information. They're not good at the teaching side of it or the public speaking side. So they need work in that area. And the other half is people were they were awesome in the classroom. They were awesome. They were comfortable. They could deliver the information. They could problem solve. They could do all that. They just didn't have the freediving chops. Like they didn't have the ability to do the capacity tests and all these things. So when that would happen, that's actually the easiest to fix. So basically when that would happen back then years ago, I didn't have this, 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 this program, I would put them on a freediving kind of competitive workout program. I want you to do this, this, and this. That was, in essence, the, the bare bones beginning of this 28-day program. Obviously, it's been upgraded and, and lots of stuff since then. But this is a really good program if you want to, you're going to take this freediving course and you want to get your freediving physiology in tip-top shape. This is an awesome program. And not to mention, you're going to be teaching students and you want to, students ask things about training. Like now you've got access to a really in-depth, thorough training plan that you can then share with your students.
Now, let me share with you what's, what happened to me when I started teaching freediving. So when I started teaching freediving, PFI had their first like official instructor program. What I mean by that is when I took the freediving class as a student in 2008, uh, Kirk and Mandy were there and they had Craig, who was an instructor there. But back then... Like there wasn't an official instructor program. They weren't, there wasn't insurance. They weren't standards and procedure. It was just like, Kirk was like, all right, you've taught with me for a long time. I, you know, WF PFI instructor now. So when I went through the program, it was like the first one where there was standards and insurance and, you know, just like any other, you know, scuba program. So when I was at the program, I think there was eight people in the program. Uh, two of us passed, six or eight people, two of us passed, myself and Aaron. Um, and, you, you know, Kirk said, hey, like, not only did you pass, uh, we're hiring you guys and putting you on the road. And we want you to help uh, help us teach these programs. At the time, there wasn't even a free diver class. It was just the intermediate class. So here I am, overweight, out of shape scuba instructor, and I past instructor program. And then I went to Deja Blue as a competitor. And I remember telling uh, Kirk and Mandy, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I got to go to Deja Blue because now that I can do a 54 meter dive, that was my PB in the competition. Um, I'm like, now that I can dive so deep, you know, teaching these classes is going to be really easy. And, and like, Mandy like spit out her drink. She's like, uh, uh, no, she's like, Ted, I was a world record holder when I first started teaching these classes and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, oh, what? So when I started teaching these classes, I remember my first class, I and many of the other early instructors, you know, myself, Aaron, Wren, uh, Ashley, were so lucky to be mentored in this way. So what way it would start is when you were a new instructor, Kirk would say, all right, you know, we have tons of classroom, right? It was two classroom sessions. He would give the new instructor, or it was me, he's like, all right, Ted, today you're going to teach masks. Like, that was it. Just one slide, masks. Right. So I get it, you know, he would teach everything and Mandy would teach everything. And then like the new instructor would teach like the one slide and then he'd give you feedback. And then the next day you're like, all right, so now you can teach masks and fins. And then, you know, so eventually like the first thing that he would check us off is that you could teach the equipment section, which of course was the easiest section. Then the next section would be like safety. And then the next section was maybe breathing because there's a very specific ways that he does that, which is all the exact same ways that I do it. Um, and then kind of the last thing that he would check you off on would be the physiology because that was his favorite section. And to say he knows that very well is an understatement. I can remember when I finally got to where I could, he would let me teach physiology and I got comfortable teaching it. And so I had done that once or twice. And then he was like, all right, so I'm going to hand it over to Ted. He's going to go through all the physiology. And he's like, all right, Ted, I'm going to be back in the office. And I'm like, no, don't leave me here because there's questions. What about all the questions? Um, but it was it was really, really cool to be able to you know be mentored in that way. I remember teaching that first class. I remember doing my little classroom section, and it was fine. I loved it. I had a lot of experience teaching anyway, so that was very easy for me to 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 do. I wasn't nervous at all. I remember the first pool session, and that was cool because I was again comfortable teaching the pool from teaching scuba for so many years. It was just new stuff. Like I just didn't know how it was run, but it was easy for me to pick up. I was just really trying to learn the the procedures for how everything was done. But I remember enjoying it. And then I was like, oh great, now we get to do the first ocean session. That first ocean session was awful. I was like, that's how I came up with the the, the phrase the pain train. Like it was awful. I hated it. It was so, I, I, I had never felt so uncomfortable contractions. I was like, oh my God, it's awful. And the first day we're, we're in the shallows. First day we're typically diving to 20 meters, uh, you know, 66 feet. The next day, you know, 80, maybe a hundred. And the third day, you know, deeper than that maximum 130 feet. And so the way it would work is back then we would do large classes, like 20, 20 people. Um, 
I think we even did 25 some, but so we had this crazy rig where that had like four arms that would go off of it. So it sounds like 20 people. That's crazy. But the reality is I've got my own float. I've got my own line and I would have five students. Um, and so each instructor had their small little group and you would rotate so that one day you would work with Kirk, the one day you'd work with Mandy and the final day you'd work with me. Right. So you'd always have a different instructor on the line. And so when it would be the last day and I'd have these hundred footers on my line, I, I couldn't, I could not do it. So I'd have to like, I'd, I'd have to horse trade my students around and, you know, I'm like, like Mandy, like that one over there can't equalize, right? Yeah. I'm like, here, take this one. This one's a hundred footer. Give me that one. Can't dive past 30 feet. Awesome. Get, let me have that one. Right. And so I would trade all the, the, get, get the, get the deep people away from me. And so I could get all the shallow people. Oddly enough, that led to really me turning into the equalizing guy, because what would happen is that the, uh, after the first day, you know, again, we'd have these large groups, 20, 25 people. And Kirk would say after the first ocean session, did anyone have trouble equalizing, get stuck at 15, 30 feet? And there were, you know, always, you know, a group of people. And so he'd say, all right, you guys come back with me. And so Kirk would start doing the whole Valsalva versus Frenzel thing and teach them what's the difference and what are you doing and all this sort of stuff. And so he was doing all these weird things and he was pitching their nose and putting his hand on everything. So I was fascinated with all the stuff he was doing. And, you know, after, you know, a couple months of watching him give that spiel over and over and over again, I remember I said, hey, Kirk. I do the equalizing thing? And he was like, yeah, he was happy not to do it. So that's kind of how I started uh, being the equalizing guy. So then for all, always on the trips, like everyone knew just, hey, you got a problem, go see Ted. And so I would go start kind of trying to learn how to teach them through all that. And that's what ultimately led me into learning how to teach Frenzel, which then ultimately led me into creating my online program, which teaches my step-by-step -step method on how to do Frenzel. If you're a free diver and you're stuck at 15, 30 feet, no matter how much you struggle, you can't get yourself to equalize. Maybe unless if you turn around head up, then you can equalize. Then that's because you're doing the Valsalva method of equalization and we need to be doing Frenzel. As always, I have a link to that program on my resource page. It's freedivelive.com slash resources. So if you took a class from PFI and I was one of your instructors in like, let's say 2009, 2010, let me just give you a reminder of what you probably, and you probably remember this. So we would do the dive, we'd come up to the surface and I'd say something like this. Okay, so that actually, that looks, that looks, pretty, looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that looked pretty good. Uh, you know, you had your snorkel in, but uh, so don't do that. Um, but, but you know, otherwise, it looked pretty good. So I'm gonna have you go to the back of the line. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go back. So the next person come up. Yeah, so uh, you, on your last dive, your everything was good, but you had your head positioned. It was cranked. You were looking at the place. So don't do that, right? Okay, so just give me a minute. And I always remember the students would, like, be looking at me. I'm like, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not Kirk. Like, Kirk could, like, you know, tell the last student what they did wrong. The new student would come up and he'd say, all right, make sure you do this at the other, and then let's go. And then Kirk would just bang out a 100-foot dive, right? I'm like, I'm not ready. I need a minute or... Uh, minutes with an S, like, I'll tell you when I'm ready. So I, I remember like breathing up and the students always have this annoyed look, like they're waiting and looking at me. And I'm like, I'm not ready right? because I just couldn't do it. Right. You know, here it is. Like, you got Kirk, right. Who's the one that been doing this for 20 years and you got the, you know, overweight, out of shape scuba instructor. I could not do it. I, I, I was so overwhelmed from a free diving capacity level. And I was so slow. Kirk could do I mean, three, sometimes four dives to my one. So my inability to dive quickly, my, I ran my mouth. I mean, it was, I was so bad. I, I messed up the system so bad. Like at the end of the first day, like Kirk's people had done four pull downs to 20 meters, right? So uh, they'd done, each person had done a pull down to five meters, 10 meters, 15 meters, 20 meters, which is 15 feet, 30 feet, 50 feet, 60 feet. 
Then they'd done maybe four dives uh, to 33 feet. And then maybe they'd done four dives to 15 meters, right? And my guys were like just barely getting to the final pull. They had just done, I mean, it was just crazy. They were, they were, they maybe just did their pull downs. I mean, it was, it was definitely logistically causing a problem because they were just doing way less dives uh, for me. And that was mostly because I was, did not have the capacity uh, to do it, especially on those middle and later days when they're diving deeper. Now, the next two PFI instructors that went through the program and passed were uh, Ren and Ashley, and I believe Hawkeye was in that program too, it was in California. And I was, you know, helping when Kirk was doing all that. And and then Kirk was all excited talking about this capacity test, where it was this test where he would make the instructors do five 66-foot dives with a student. So just to be clear, when I talk about student, what I actually mean is the student is not actually a, like a real student. It's the instructor trainer. It's me or Kirk who's pretending to be the student and the instructor candidate is the instructor that's diving with us and has to fix all the issues. So the student's doing a 66 foot dive. You as an instructor are following them down and you're having to make corrections, right? The students got their elbow in the wrong position. You have to correct it or the student goes past the plate and you've got to stop them. And so then you come back to the surface. And if I, if I remember correctly is once you got to the surface, there was a two minute stopwatch. And so in that two minutes, you had to tell the student what they did right, what they did wrong, um, you know, kind of debrief them, tell them to go to the back of the line, have the next student come up, tell them, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what we're doing. We're going to 20 meter. Make sure, you know, you've got good head position. Make sure you don't have that snorkel in your mouth. If you see me making this sound, it means I want you to pull your ear. And so doing all that and the whole time that that two minute stopwatch is running, right? And at the two minute mark, whether you're done talking or whether you had a good time to breathe up, the next, you know, person's going. And so you as the instructor, you know, the instructor candidate has to follow that person down. So this test was designed to create what it's like teaching in the real world. And one of the things it does, it, it tests that, you know, can an instructor do these repetitive, you know, 20-meter dives, which in the, the, the last day of the Freed Ever class, that's what's going to be happening. And can they do it with the small amount of rest? And do they understand that the more that you talk, the less you get to breathe up? And so what's funny is it was, wasn't until years later that I kind of, I remember I asked Kirk about it, I actually interviewed him very recently. I said, Kirk, I'm pretty sure that capacity test that you created, that was not in the instructor program that I went through, but it was in the one that after it. And so I'm pretty sure that the reason that you created that test was because of me. And he was like, yep. <laughs> because I didn't have the capacity, right? Lucky for me, <laughs> that test wasn't created yet or I would have failed. Uh, but I think, you know, he saw... Uh, what that what it was like when you had an instructor that didn't have the capacity and basically the problems that that caused because I was so slow because I mean I just wasn't I wasn't ready for it. Teaching a freediving class is exhausting. When I think when I think back to those days when we were flying around all over the place and I just I just remember being so exhausted and Kirk was like never tired because he had done it for so many years and it just takes a long time to get to where these courses don't wreck you. I got to where that freediver, I mean, I would say when I was, you know, the freediver course after many, 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 many years didn't wreck me, but that intermediate course always did. The intermediate course always, I was just done. I was so tired. 
right now, like those freedom courses are, are so easy. There's, you know, I don't have urge to breathe. They're easy. I can, you know, like I remember actually coming back from, uh, I was teaching intermediate course and I'd come back from Deja Blue one year and I had been doing, you know, for three weeks, 200 foot plus dives. And I came back and almost immediately had intermediate course and it was the last day, you know, the guys were doing hundred foot plus dives. And I was, you know, back then I was really getting into the video editing and creating these really cool course videos. And so it was the last day and the light was really good and the, the visibility was really clear. And I'm like, oh yeah, so I'm going to get this really cool shot of this guy. So I, I was explaining to him that I'm going to go down first, right? And I'm going to get to around like 30 feet. And then I'm going to give him the okay sign. I want to film the entry and get the angles all perfect. And so I remember like going down beforehand, getting set up and like making sure I was on the right side and telling the person to come down. And I was filming on the way down and, you know, all the way down the plate and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh my God. This is what Kirk must feel like all the time. I, I remember Kirk used to always like go down earlier before the student starts. And I was like, the hell with that, right? Like, I don't, this is already hard enough. I don't mean to make it harder by making the dog longer. But I remember after, you know, Deja Blue, my dive reflex was so tuned up that I was able to like go down early and like, and, you know, be focused on getting these amazing shots. And in the middle of teaching, it was, it was cool. You know, to eventually you get to the point where it's not difficult. What I will tell you is, as an instructor, the reason that I said in the beginning, you need to get good and get better and get more better is because the your ability to be a good instructor is inversely related to the discomfort that you feel underwater. When I first started teaching, the contractions were so awful. I was so uncomfortable. I was absolutely in the survive the dive mode. I'm not going to be an awesome instructor when I'm thinking like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This sucks. Oh my God. This sucks. So please, why are you going so slow? Why, why are you so slow? Stop. Don't no, Don't stop. Like, no, no, go up, go up, go up, go up. Right. Like when I'm thinking that way, I am, it's so hard for me to like focus on what the student's doing as opposed to now, right. I can do these dives and I don't have urge to breathe. Now I'm like, you know, watching the entry. I'm like, okay. Yep. 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 You did that arm pull before your leg came up. That's why it didn't really work so well. Now I'm watching you go down. Definitely. You're, I, I can tell you're not equalizing enough because I can see like the, the, the pain in your face. Cause you're free. So you got to make sure you're equalizing more frequently. I mean, you definitely did, uh, went in a sync phase way too late. Right. And so all, I mean, I'm able to just, it's, it's as if I'm watching it on a big screen. Like I'm just so easy to process what I'm seeing because I don't feel discomfort because I'm, my diving capacity is well beyond, uh, what I'm teaching at. I know because I've seen it, I've gone from being totally unprepared to be able to teach these classes, to being overprepared to teach these classes. And if you want to be a good instructor, if you want to do the best job that you can for these students, one of the ways it's going to do that is just to become a better diver, right? You want these dives to feel easy to you. And I would also say, regardless of what your agency requires, do every dive, go all the way down to the plate with them. If you want to provide a better service, go on every dive. You're going to see how their turn is. There's, I mean, so many things to me, it just seems so obvious that you'd be able to do so much a better job if you commit to doing every dive, right? And not just supervising from the surface. A couple of days ago, I had a free diving instructor reach out to me and, and talk about how tired he was, right? From running these classes back to back. And it's, it's exhausting. So when I started immersion free diving, um, and <laughs> I was struggling on multiple levels. I was also trying to woo my girlfriend, Kathy. So I'd be out teaching these classes and I'm exhausted and it's Saturday night and Kathy's like, oh, there's this cool band at the culture club. Let's go see. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. 
I actually, she tells this story all the time. She goes, you were so exhausted one day. We went in to see this band. And it was one of my favorite band I was excited to see. And she goes, you were falling asleep, standing up against the wall with the beer in your hand. She goes, after the first song, you were like, can we go home? <laughs> She's like, what? We just, we just got here. But I was so exhausted. Um, it's, it is exhausting. And I will tell you, this really, 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 really helped me. I, in general, am, you know, I'm just not a believer. And people are like, oh, drink this or take this pill or whatever. I'm just always like, it's nonsense. The first reason that I believed this was Kirk recommended it. If Kirk recommends it, I, I'm much more inclined to, to to believe it. And so he told the story of this uh, this stuff. And the stuff is, it's called Endorox. It's a recovery drink. And if you're going to get this stuff, don't get anything other than chocolate. I like the taste of the chocolate. Now, if you put the chocolate in milk, it tastes like a milkshake. It's like a treat. It's like a dessert. When I'm taking it on the boat, obviously I can't use milk because I don't, I can't keep it cold or be sure that it'll stay that way. So I just put it in water. This was what made me believe that it worked so well. So Kirk at the time had got, there was, I it got so long ago, I forget the details of the story, but there was some movie that was being shot and it had to be done free diving because the area they were in didn't allow scuba. And it was, I think it was some IMAX movie. And so it had the big IMAX camera, which is like, if you can imagine, it's like the biggest underwater camera you've ever seen. So they needed a free diver who could free dive with the camera that's, you know, bigger than a person and, and new photography. Well, who's the person that can do that? They're like, yeah, Kirk. <laughs> so, so Kirk got this crazy job and he was, uh, and he was out there for like 10 days. And he brought their Endurox out and he was using it every day. And he ran out three quarters of the way through the trip. And he was like, he goes, it was awful. He goes, as soon as the next day I ran out of that stuff, he goes, it made such a difference. I was so exhausted. Right. So when someone like Kirk tells me that, I'm like, all right, I, I believe him. Right. He's not, he doesn't have stock in Endurox. He's not trying to get me to buy this stuff. So that's when I started using it. And man, it made a world uh, of difference for me, uh, especially. I just would, I would come home and I, I could actually do things like so. Kathy uh, was a big fan uh, of me getting on the Endurox. So I remember one time. Now, if you know me, I'm also forgetful, so I'd always forget to bring it. I'm trying to bring it, but I would sometimes forget. And so I never forget. One morning, I uh, I would tr I would put the Endurox out at the night before, so I would remember to put it in my bag so I could take it with me. And so I remember it was like the night before. Kathy's like, "Did you get the put the Endurox out?" I'm like, no, no, but thanks for reminding, thanks for reminding, right? And so I put the Endurox out and then I wake up in the morning, I'm rushing out to try to get out of, you know, get out to the boat trip. And she's like, remember to bring your Endurox? And I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 I remember. And then she's like, did you pack it? I'm like, oh no, yeah, no, no, I, I got, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the book bag, right? And then sometimes I would leave the book bag or whatever. She's like, did you put the Endurox in the, in the truck? And I'm like, look. I, what is your deal with the stupid Endurox? Like, I know I'm forgetful, but like, what are you like up my butt about bringing this Endurox around? And she goes, well, let's just say that I found that I tend to have a more pleasurable evening in the, the nights that you take the Endurox, right? Because when you don't, you just come home and eat dinner and pass out and go to sleep. So there's another like, you know, side benefit uh, of the Endurox. So I always joke that would be like the, the dirty text message. I'd be like, the, the class would be over. I'd be like, I'm at the, the pirate bar with the students having my espresso. I had my Endurox. I'll be home in a couple hours. So I'm a big fan of the Endurox. I'll put a, I'll, I'll put a link on the resource page where you can get it. I definitely uh, recommend getting the chocolate. They have like a lime and orange and I ugh, do not like those. Uh, but the 
the chocolate one is good. And if you do it with milk, it's like, for me, it's a treat. Like I enjoy it. That's a wrap. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you learned something. If you're uh, considering being a freediving instructor, I want you to be a freediving instructor. We need more freediving instructors out there, but I also hope this will better give you an idea of what to inspect and what you need to do. I'm going to be changing up the time that I do the live Q&A on Clubhouse. I've typically been do doing them every Wednesday at 5.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to move that to Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, still at the Deeper Blue Clubhouse room. As always, you can find a link to the room at the resource page, freedivelive.com slash resources. I will put a link uh, at the resource page, freedivelive.com slash resources to the Endurox that I talked about. Endurox, the chocolate, it's awesome. Highly recommended if you ever, you know, or notice that you're tired after dive days and you want more energy, it's awesome. And I'll also put the link to that 28-day program, which is the dry training program. If you're thinking about becoming an instructor and you want a regimen to, to improve, this is an awesome, awesome resource. On that resource page, I also have a link to a survey, right? So if you listen to the show and you like it, just take take a couple minutes and fill out the survey. I, I create this show for you guys, not for to me to sit around and talk to myself. So you have feedback. I appreciate so much that feedback. So let me know what you like about the show, what you, what, what uh, suggestions you have. So uh, if you have a couple seconds, please do that. Thanks for tuning in and dive safe out there. It's not even that hard, especially when you can learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. I hope you took something away from the show, whether it was a little nugget that you're like, wow, that was so cool, or maybe you had a big aha moment to help you improve your freediving performance and ability. If this episode helped you in some way, be sure to share this episode with someone you believe it can help. I help you, and you pass it on, and then help someone else. I'm in the process of creating a resource list. This will contain many of the freediving and spearfishing brands that I believe in, as well as many other tools that you will need as you continue to grow your freediving abilities. This resource list will be constantly growing and evolving. You can see it at freedivinglive.com resources. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard.